Hey everybody, guess what? It is another episode of Deadpan Studio Presents by Deadpan Studio Podcast. You got that because you heard that lovely tune. Alright, so um, we had some plans for this episode um, that got changed due to something that happened in the media recently. And uh, we decided we're going to switch things up, cover uh, the original idea in a couple of weeks, but this one we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, now, Deadpan Studio Presents has normally been talking to uh, interesting people doing uh, interesting things. However, this time we're going to talk about somebody who had been very interesting his entire life and did amazing things. Uh, so, before we get into that, um, I am, of course, I'm your host, Matt, and this week I am joined by... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Tiny's in studio with me tonight, and I brought him in because he, much like I, are huge, huge music lovers, um, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking to uh, talking about uh, Mr. Edward Van Halen, uh, who passed away this past week. Uh, now, when you listen to this, it'll be the week before, but uh, by the time the night we record this, he pa- he's been passed for about two days. same here so uh let's get through the business and then we'll get into the main topic a topic of talking about uh mr van halen so uh, as always if you would like to comment about anything we've talked about tonight or any other reason at all uh get us at deadpanstudio18 at gmail.com uh you can also get us on social media at deadpanstudio18 just like in the email but on facebook twitter and instagram uh, we're also on about 14 different uh, streaming services, so whatever you're already listening to us on, tell your friends about because uh, I'm sure that they'll be able to find us somehow. Even if they don't, then go on to a web browser to uh, Podbean, deadpanstudio.podbean.com. That not only is our server, but it's also a place in which uh, we upload the episodes uh, and stream out as well. It's an app and a website, deadpanstudio.podbean.com. We're also on iHeart, excuse me, iHeartRadio. Uh, Amazon podcast, uh, Spotify. Spotify? I mean, and of course the, the, uh, the regular ones, iTunes, Stitcher, Google podcast and tune in and just so on and so forth. If there is one that you would prefer us to be on like overcast or anything like that, that, uh, you prefer over any of the others that are on there, uh, let us know. We'll get on there. Yeah. We like, that's right. All right, so with that, let's get into it. Uh, This is going to be our tribute to uh, Mr. Edward Van Halen. (sighs) Yeah, it's kind of a somber tone that we kind of have tonight, even though this is sort of a tribute and a celebration of the stuff that he did in his life, uh, bringing his brilliance to the masses. But we're going to try to lift it up as best we can because, as Tiny said on the uh, the intro, you know, this struck a chord. Yep. And no pun intended, obviously. Um, but we mean mentally, emotionally, because, I mean, I, my thing was 
I picked up a guitar and wanted to learn guitar, even though I never did. I just, I'm all thumbs. I have no rhythm, and that's a big point. If you look up anything Edward Van Halen says, is you have to have rhythm, and I don't. But he was the whole reason I ever wanted to start, because who would be better than Edward Van Halen to, for you to want to epitomize and mold yourself after? So let's be honest. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Innovative, just unreal. They were, and uh, they still are. You, you all, uh, n- as a listener of different genres of music, no one has any idea the influence he has on different genres of music. And we'll get into some of that uh, here in a bit. But let's talk a little bit about who he was growing up. He, You know, when everybody hears the name Edward Van Halen, they instantly think, man, he's an American guitar god. No, no. He's Dutch. He's Dutch. Um, his middle name is actually uh, Lodovic. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure how I can pronounce that. I looked up the pronouncing, uh, pronunciation. I would have said Ludwig. But... Uh, the, the W is actually pronounced more like a V, so it, yeah. it's uh, Edward Ludwig Van Halen, Dutch-American. He was naturalized um, singer, producer, and inventor which most people don't realize. Uh, he was the main song, uh, songwriter and lead guitarist of the American rock band Van Halen, which was uh, co-founded with his brother Alex in 1972. Yeah, and for people that don't know, Alex played bass and Ed, Eddie played guitar. No, Alex played drums. You're thinking oh. of uh, Michael Anthony. Oh, yeah. No, right. Yeah, Michael Anthony played bass. Um and throughout the years uh, of the formation of that band, they have had um, different band members come through. Several. Uh, several. It started with lead singer uh, David Lee Roth, and he was there through the late 70s, uh, through the first half of the 80s, and the other half of the 80s through the early point of the nine to almost the mid-90s. It's about a nine-year stretch when it, I think, was uh, uh, Sammy Hagar, uh, which uh, the audience – that listener back then refers to that time as the Van Hagar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking um, 0813 was pretty close to that transition. Mm. Yeah, which was a great album. Okay. It was a little more of the classic Van Halen sound with Sammy Hagar as the voice because a lot of that music was written before Sammy joined the band, but he still sounded amazing. And then following that was the tumultuous uh, three year reign of uh, Gary Sharon, who everybody knows from the, uh, the band extreme. He was the lead singer. You know, if you don't know who extreme is um, one, they played a song on uh, the Bill and Ted excellent adventure soundtrack. Uh, yeah, it's probably Do you want to play? Probably. 
Yeah, the uh, the guitar, uh, <laughs> the song starts out with a little bit of a Mozart track. Anyway, well, I, I mentioned Mozart anyway uh, because that's what they refer to as Eddie Van Halen as the Mozart of the guitar. Uh, but then after <laughs> the lackluster uh, career of Gary Schroen with – oh, they also sang More Than Words. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what everybody's – I'm not even going to get into what extreme length. <laughs> so um, – It's kind of like Wiener. Yeah. <laughs> after Gary Schroen, uh, they kind of went through a phase where they didn't do a whole lot uh, for a few years. <laughs> And then they brought back uh, Roth, and then Sammy, and then Michael Anthony, the bassist, left with Sammy. And then Roth was brought back, and then to, uh, the person who took uh, Michael Anthony's place on bass was actually Edward, Edward Van Halen's son, Wolfgang. Yep. The son that uh, he had with, uh, uh, what's her Valerie name? Bertinelli. Valerie Bertinelli. Yes, uh, they were together for almost a decade and uh, they had a child and named Wolfgang. And the thing is Wolfgang, he had musical aspirations, but he didn't know how to play bass until he wanted to be in the band. Mm -hmm. And he had been playing bass for six months before he went out on the road with them to play their music. Like me, I'm not musically inclined, and I and I, I honestly okay. Um, the audience does not know this. As some people uh, in my life do. Uh, when I did buy that guitar, like I said, I had aspirations. I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. I wanted to do the. Th- I wanted to do the things that he did. Um, so my first teacher uh, taught me to play, and I, I took lessons for about uh, six eight months, and I thought I got pretty decent. The last thing that I learned was. Uh, uh, the first half of uh, an Aerosmith song, Walk This Way. But then uh, the teacher didn't really want to teach me anything out of uh, that was more secular because he was a uh, he was more of a church, you know, Christian, which is fine. You know, Christian rock was b- booming at that point. You know, they were filling arenas uh, like this band called Third Day, which they do have some really not, uh, nice tunes. I don't care what, you know, what it is, uh, you know, who you th- you know, listen to or your faith or whatnot. A lot of people in different genres have tunes that are really catchy. So the cool thing about this guy though, he was blind. That's right. He was a blind guitar teacher. He learned obviously by feeling and listening. And, uh, he taught me for about six months, but, uh, it got to the point where my frustration at myself for not being able to advance further than where I was at, and also the fact that uh, I wasn't able to move out of a certain musical genre minus the one half song. Um, I kind of put the guitar down and that was it. Uh, I've tried picking it up over the years myself and it just never happened anyway. The reason I bring that up was, or it was brought up was because, yeah, some people are just musically inclined. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, if, uh, if you gave me Mm-hmm. But if you were to tell me, uh, oh, yeah, we're going on a tour <laughs> in six months and you have to learn these songs and play yeah. them while we're on tour, like, 
Now, see, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, there are some things that are carried through your genes from generation to generation. Um, in my family, on uh, unfortunately, obesity runs in through that. <laughs> Heart problems, uh, thinning hair. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm not describing myself at all, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> He's describing okay. <laughs> um, Anyway, but I feel like music and the ability to learn quick and pick it up quick was in their blood because Eddie Van Halen's mother uh, she, uh, and father, they were both musicians, uh, classic musicians. And the very first thing that they wanted to do when they moved over here is they wanted Eddie and his brother to be classical pianists. You know, they wanted to, not penises, <laughs> pianists, yes. plural. Pianist. Yeah. So when they came over here, they actually hired somebody uh, not far from them to teach them how to play piano. And it was classical music, concert music. The funny thing is, yeah, even though Alex learned theory and, you know, how to read music. Eddie didn't, he did not know how to read music still to this, you know, until the day he passed did not know how to read music. He fooled everybody that was around him. And even his teacher, uh, into thinking that he learned how to read music because he was just so good and quick about picking it up. <laughs> so he went to a, uh, he went to his concert and you know that they always have you do some sort of concert when you're playing is learning from somebody, a recital. So he sits down, he starts playing. Well, he doesn't know how to read the music or how the parts go. So he forgets how the parts supposed to go. So he starts improvising. <laughs> he won four talent shows four years in a row doing that. By improvising, by playing, and so here, so he moves on from that, and he realized at some point that he wanted to play guitar instead. Well, no, he wanted to play the drums, and his brother Alex picked up a guitar. But then there was a point at which he saw his brother Alex play the drums to uh, Wipeout, and that Wipeout, <laughs> and he just he's like, "You've got to play the drums," and so he's like, "Well." I got a guitar. So Eddie picks up the guitar and he falls in love with it. And he falls in love with it so much. Like literally he's, he said in multiple interviews that he would lock himself away in his room for hours and hours and hours. Even if like, you know, he didn't get home till like 10 o'clock, you know, at night he would stay up till two, three, four o'clock in the morning practicing. And if he's just walking around the house, he's got it strapped around his neck. Just, it's, it would became a part of him. And, literally. And, Yeah. That's what you're to do. And that's how you get that going. Yeah. So, um, it was really, it was just one of those really cool things. Yeah. It, I've got it in my notes here, but I, uh, yeah. So doing that, they kind of formed their first band, uh, once they got to grade school. <laughs> Wait, let's, let's uh, step back on that. They formed their first band. Fourth grade. When they were in grade school. Fourth grade. Um, I just learned how to do multiplication in fourth grade. We were doing our times tables. One times one is one. One times two is two. One times three is three. We did that all the way to 12 times 12. We did that. We still had somebody put us on a magic carpet. 
I love you. I, I, I love my teacher. I loved my teacher, by the way. I love her so much. Um, and she loves me. She, every time she comes through my mom's business, she asks about me if I don't see her. But anyway, but you sit on a carpet and still read a story oh, to yeah, us. Absolutely. But there's one lesson I learned in fourth and fifth grade. Now, division we learned in fifth grade, but one lesson I learned for both of those grades was something that that same teacher I had for both fourth and fifth, she sat me down and said, do you think it's, uh, cause I, th- there was some homework that we were doing and I didn't get it done because it was hard. I said, it was, it was too hard. I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't easy. And she goes, well, do you think it's always going to be easy? I think Mr. Ed- Edward Van Halen took that to heart starting at the womb. Yeah. He definitely had that. Uh, he definitely had it at least by yeah. <laughs> so fourth grade, he formed a brother with uh, formed a band with his brother and three other uh, boys in uh, Pasadena. And he would later say that this was when he first felt the desire to become a professional musician at fourth grade. Yeah, um, let's just say that there are some things that are callings. Yeah, I was just worried about when pizza day was uh, in fourth and fifth grade. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah, is it summer because I want to play some baseball, play t-ball, something? Yeah, look, you know what? There are, uh, and I'm sure you can look at this, um, but there are some sports, like athletes, that sports, that said all I did was, was want to play basketball, all I did was yeah. play football. You know, didn't matter what, what the, the time period was or any of that. Uh, all I wanted to do was play that sport. I think, I think uh, Eddie's sport was definitely... Oh yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, so he took that lesson, and the older he got, uh, of course, at that point uh, he started listening to music, and he completely fell in love with uh, sort of a rock style uh, guitar. Throw some blues in there. He fell in love with Eric Clapton. Um, who doesn't love Eric yeah. Clapton? Yeah. Uh, At some point in his adolescence, he said that he had learned every single bit of Eric Clapton's parts from the entire Cream catalog. Uh, again, if you haven't heard Cream, <laughs> yeah. go listen to them. But um, to learn Eric Clapton's parts at that yeah. point in time, Eric Clapton um, is a guitar god. Will always yes. be a guitar god. But his stuff in Cream, it's it's not easy to. I mean, it, it was pretty decent stuff. It was yeah, really articulate. Like he had, he had a way with the guitar, and for them to learn that at that point. I almost feel like Eddie's connection with the guitar was really, f- it was more physical and emotional, whereas I think Clapton's was more spiritual. It's like it was completely tied to Clapton's soul to play guitar, but Eddie's was able to feel it more emotionally. I, I definitely think Eddie had a way of, of throwing his emotion into it more more than Clapton did. Yeah. Uh, Clapton definitely had that spiritual connection that you could, he could play a note and you could just feel it in your soul. But yeah. I think Eddie definitely had that more physical emotional you know he could make a guitar oh, weep he could, he could wail he can make it cry he can make screech it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Um, so, um, it's it's amazing the the route he took because it was he was in his twenties when he formed Van Halen. Now, of course, for a couple of years the band was under another name, but officially 1974 was the very first time that the name Van Halen was used for the band. Obviously, um, so you're looking at 74, 84, 94, 2004, 2014. 46 years of constant, you know. But the cool thing was, how did he, going from where he started out, you know, as a naturalized citizen coming over here, he said that uh, there was uh, something he said at the Smithsonian back in 2015, because after about 2015, uh, their last tour with Van Halen, um, uh, we didn't even talk about what happened with him. Uh, Cancer It's actually um, what uh, got him. It was throat cancer. Um, back in 2015, uh, he had already had a third of his tongue taken out because he'd gotten some, uh, you know, a tumor there. But then at the end of 2015 was the last tour Van Halen had. And, uh, he kind of went quiet for a little while. And, uh, one of these things in 2015, he was talking about his life and he discussed, uh, well, here, here's what he said exactly. He said, we came here with approximately $50 and a piano. These are his parents, his family, his brother. And we didn't speak the language. Now, mind you, when he moved here, he didn't speak English. He was Dutch. He said, now look where we are. If that's not the American dream, what is? True. True story. Um, the band itself was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. Well-deserved. And I think they could have been put in years earlier. Uh, I think it was probably long overdue. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, the band has uh, ranked 20th on the RIAA list of best-selling artists with 56 million album sales. That's 2019. That's n- the sad thing is it takes a death of a band member, especially someone so famous or at one point had been so famous to skyrocket sales again. And I tell you what, um, Van Halen is number one in uh, CD or album sales right now because of the death of uh, Eddie Van Halen. It's very hard to find his stuff right now, especially if you want to uh, get it in an album form. Because I know a lot of places, you know, had reissued the, the vinyl, uh, the CDs, and now, I mean, people are picking them up left and right. I can only imagine how much the sales have increased from 59 million or 56 million worldwide. I'm sorry, in the United States and 80 million worldwide. Uh, they also had 13 number one hits in the history of uh, the Billboard's mainstream rock chart. And also VH1 ranked the band seventh on a list of the top 100 hard rock artists of all time. Uh, so. Okay, so I'm like the. <laughs> hold, hold on. Well, you got to understand most of the number ones happened during the, uh, the, the start of Van Halen kind of lulled until Hagar, Sammy Hagar, Hagar came in. They had a couple number ones there and uh, then it tapered off and 
Of course not with Sharon. <laughs> okay, look, Sharon's an amazing singer. I'm not really giving him grief. I'm giving the time period grief because he was more of a hired singer than bringing somebody in to be there permanently. I think kind of got the rough shot for that. There were plenty out of, of hits. Out of those three, I, I get it. And yeah. We've talked about this in there. No, yeah. Their only number one song. Yeah. It's hard for me to believe that Van Halen only had 13 number one hits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that blows my mind. I yeah. And does mine too. Which, you know, that kind of brings us to Eddie's influence in music and different areas. You know, so so many people look up to him now, you know, as being one of one of, if not the greatest single guitarist in all of history. Um, there's a good reason for that, because he invent, he didn't invent one of these things, but he kind of took it upon himself and reimagined it and kind of just I don't know the word I'm looking for. He made it, he made it his own. He, def- he definitely made it mainstream. Yeah, tapping. Now, what tapping is, you hear it on the radio, especially if you hear Panama, Jump, um, any any Van Halen song you hear popular on the radio uh, was known for his style of tapping. Now, what tapping means is you're t- instead of, you know, strumming or picking the uh, the strings and with one hand and having your fingers on the fretboard to make the different notes, what you did was you had both hands on the fretboard and just kind of tapping them up and down to create this harmonic, um, melodic sound. And it made it sound like his hands were going a thousand miles an hour. By, by the way, if any of you want to go and, and check this out and see what we're talking about, uh, just uh, YouTube eruption. And yeah. Check out one of the 7,000 videos. That yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, if you Google eruption, um, on YouTube or not Google, if you go to YouTube and you type in eruption, uh, then you're going to get hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, kids, kids doing covers. Cause that is the first thing that they want to, that's, that's like their, their, their Mount, uh, Mount uh, Everest of learning basic guitar is then they get to this point where they want to learn that. That's their main goal before they start branching out doing their own thing. Shout out to Mike. Yeah, what's up, Anthony? How you doing? Um, however, he has told me several times that he there was this music store in Lexington he used to, to visit. And he said he went in there one day, he was just kind of looking around, whatever. And he said that he was over on the other side of the stacks, somebody playing Eruption. And flawless Eruption. And he says he peeks his head around, dude, and there's like this 10-year-old kid sitting over there <laughs> doing eruption, like, flawlessly on this electric guitar. I mean, that was, that was kind of the epitome of, this is how you know that you have the dexterity that you are doing what yeah. you're supposed to be doing. That's how you know you have rhythm, the dexterity. It's, eruption, <laughs> eruption was the solo. For a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and that was 
that was kind of like the the step where you knew yeah. you, were, you were there. You were ready to uh, honestly. It was like you were ready once you reached that point. You could do your own. Yeah, you were ready to to be able to play. You could yeah. play. You, you could go into it. You could get a band together. You could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. Another cool thing, uh, which is kind of tied to his tapping, that uh, Eddie actually hel- held a patent on uh, something until 2005. It was something to help him do some tapping. It was this, uh, it's a flip-out support device that he would wear on his, you know, it was on the back of the guitar. And what he would do is he would flip his guitar up so it, the, it was flat. So, of course, you got... Oh, like a still- yeah, sort of like a steel guitar, but it was you could stand there, and then you, all he'd have to do is not worry about holding the guitar in a certain place, and he could use both hands, every finger, to do some amazing, complicated uh, tapping. And you know, you know where that comes from. You have pins. Yes. <laughs> that you have to use. Yes. That's how he described it, is it would lay the guitar out in front of him like a piano. Yeah, exactly, because the only way you could do that is if you knew how to play piano, uh, which is one of the <laughs> uh, look, I have great dexterity on eight fingers. <laughs> yeah, the, th- the thumbs don't work. Real yeah, <laughs> yeah. Evolutionists are like, I told you so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Done. You know that that's one of the things that uh, Eddie was uh, would always say was that um, if you're going to learn to play anything, learn to play the piano because once you play the piano, then any in- and you master it, that any instrument is open to you, and so you. You do that, you learn the piano, you can learn to read music. You can, but what you do with piano is you're learning the manual dexterity. You're also learning how to listen. You're hearing music, you're learning by ear. Well, and the thing is, is if you're talking about playing piano, at any point in time you can play 10 different notes. Yeah, and it's and, and nothing's labeled. Yeah, so you got the black and white keys, that's it. And they all look the same. You go to this section, that's the same. That section's the same. That section... On a uh, on a fretboard, you've got uh, between depending on what guitar you play between twenty and twenty four. I've seen one that had twenty five, twenty six frets yeah. with six strings. Of course, that's a bunch of different combinations, but that's not like a piano where you've got these unendless keys, and you also have places on the guitar to tell you where the notes are. So it's just well, and even if you're playing even if you're playing a guitar normal, yeah, what you have one hand on the fretboard and one hand strumming, yeah. You still only have a possible, even if you're able yeah. to use your thumb, you still only have a possible five different places you can put those fingers. Yeah. If you're playing piano, you still have ten possible places yeah. to play ten possible notes. But see, that's why he was sort of like a Dr. Frankenstein. He was able to come up with different things like that. Now, the reason I mention that is that's actually going to take us into his uh, choice of guitars. You know, he actually started, his original choice of guitar was a Gibson Les Paul. He uh, replaced the original uh, P90 pickup on the bridge with a humbucker in order to sound like Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah. And uh, even though Clapton normally played uh, a Stratocaster yeah, Fender yeah. style. So, you know, when you've got a Gibson Les Paul and you want to sound like a Strat, I guess that's what you do. You put in a humbucker. <laughs> you, just, you, you just change out all yeah. the stuff. But the one thing he's most associated with is that uh, red, white, and black striped uh, guitar, which he called the Frankenstrat. Oh, dude. It is one of the most iconic guitars ever. Now, think of, think of it this way. A standard uh, made-in-America 
or not a made in Mexico Fender Strat is usually about five ninety nine six hundred dollars. A made in America Strat is at least a thousand dollars, and that's probably a used one. Yeah. Uh, Squire, uh, which is their you know. If you're wanting to learn to play guitar um, and you want to start out with a Fender Stratocaster and you get those and you're looking at, you know, uh, two, three hundred dollars. This, look what he did. Okay. This is his most iconic guitar and he built it from parts. Uh, the body was made of ash and the maple and the neck was maple and it cost one hundred and thirty dollars for those. One hundred and thirty. While the body uh, itself was bought for fifty dollars as the wood had a knot in it. The tremolo arm was originally taken from a 58 Fender Stratocaster and uh, was later replaced with a Floyd Rose arm, which means it's, you know, it stays. Uh, the guitar had a single Gibson uh, uh, PAF bridge pickup from a Gibson ES-335, which he enclosed with paraffin wax to prevent feedback. Yeah. At any point in time. And, it was very, very cheap and very and readily made. It was originally painted black, but then recoated with Schwinn red bicycle paint in 1979. And for anyone <laughs> that listeners that don't know, Schwinn was a very popular bicycle. Still is. It's still one of the, the in um it's it's Huffy, Schwinn, and I can't remember the third one, but yeah, they're still the biggest sellers today. So yeah, Schwinn. Schwinn, that paint that they used to paint Schwinn bicycles was used on the Frankenstrat to paint uh, over the red. And of course you had the white and the, you know, the white uh, striping that was on there as well. <laughs> wow. I, I don't think I need that. I don't know. That's why I said I, he's, a, he's a, you know, mad scientist, Dr. Frankenstein, you know, making this guitar. And it, it became as iconic, you know. Oh yeah, that is, that is the guitar if you see it. In most of his music videos, but you know that wasn't really the one he used on tour. You know, after a while, it wasn't really one of those really good guitars that you. I'm sure if you knocked it hard enough, it would shatter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, for Van Halen's 2012 tour uh, and early 2015 television appearances, he used a Wolfgang USA guitar with a black finish and an ebony fretboard. And for the 2015 tour, he used a white Wolfgang USA guitar designed by Mr. Chip Ellis featuring a custom kill switch. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, as you can see, I mean, of course, his actual guitar collection was massive. He gave out guitars as gifts to everybody. Lita Ford actually posted on Instagram today, um, holding up a guitar that, uh, he had given her back in, uh, I can't remember where she said it was the two thousands or earlier. Either way, she said it's one of the best guitars she's ever played. And I don't know what kind of was. It didn't really show. It just showed, um, you know, it's just a standard guitar body. Look, but it, it's, uh, let, let me say this. Um, if we're putting people in perspective, to get a guitar from Eddie Van Halen would be like getting a guitar from Amy Schumer. <laughs> it's, uh, it doesn't matter. What no, it, it would be more like getting a cigarette from a Angus Young. <laughs> right. Because I, f I feel like Angus would play anything that was in his hands. Well, that's uh, <laughs> well, okay. 
But as much as that man smokes, you think that he would be bumming a smoke to people? No. But to think that you could get a smoke from Angus, that would mean something. Um, uh, music. Oops. Beyond. That was me. <laughs> um, sorry, audience. Uh, but that would honestly, that would sort of be like. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I don't play music uh, as much as I would love to. I'd love to be able to. I don't play yeah. music. Uh, but to get something um, like a guitar from Eddie Van Halen, dude, hands down, mm-hmm. the biggest thing ever. <laughs> like, I couldn't even Yeah, I, I, I couldn't either. Which, you know, that's sort of like one of the stories people can tell now was sort of like, you know, he gave me this or he did this. So there's some pretty more iconic stories that some people may or may not know about. I'm definitely interested. Uh, in 78, uh, he, he got so pissed at David Lee Roth backstage but he threw a, that he threw a bowl of guacamole at him. But the guac didn't hit Roth. It hit Steve Perry. <laughs> and Steve Perry cried. <laughs> Journey. Steve Perry from Journey. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine him? Can you imagine him? No joke. Can you imagine Steve Perry as that guacamole is flying towards his face singing uh, (laughs) open arms? (laughs) 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 Although Steve Perry's new album this past year was really good. Great, great band. Yeah. Uh, I have issues personally (laughs) with with Journey. But I would love to see Steve Perry get hit with guacamole. In 1987, he was present at Saturday Night Live studio because his wife, or his then wife, Valerie Bertinelli, was hosting that evening. Right then and there, the SNL music director, G.E. Smith, which everybody is familiar with. If, if, if you've watched yeah. SNL, you know who G.E. Smith is. Yeah, he, well, it's basically G.E. Smith and the third band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they convinced him to join the house band and jam with them uh, on a song they composed on the spot. Now, I'm going to have to go back and listen to some SNL. Yeah. That. He said, uh, Smith is later quoted saying, it was ridiculous how good it was. He was a master. He really is. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine So this is the this is a, the story that I was talking about earlier about uh, his uh, piano teacher. So his roots are in classical piano. He took lessons as a kid and formed Bach and Mozart pieces in recitals. His ear was so good that he never bothered learning how to read music. Quote unquote. I fooled my teacher for six years. He never knew I couldn't read. I'd watch his fingers and I'd play it. Okay, so let me just say something to anybody that that doesn't know anything about reading music. Um, the fact that you're able to watch somebody's hands to play yeah. piano, well, the fact you're able to watch somebody's hands to play anything, yeah, is beyond masterful. The fact you're able to watch somebody's hands playing piano and not be able to read music is like. Because I tell you, I can't even like I no, can't because even I tell you what the, the average everyday person watching somebody's hands or their movements or anything, yeah, they can get an idea, but there's no way that they can mimic, if not make it 
better. Um, I mean, seriously, look, uh, the average common male who watches pornography, you would think that as much as the average uh, American male who watches pornography would watch some of the techniques (laughs) in some of them, uh, they would learn from them, implement them, and improve upon them. No, no, never happens. Look, okay, so... Again, like I said earlier, playing piano is beyond. It, it is the it is. it is the hardest. It is the hardest instrument to play. Yeah, because you have to know what all ten fingers are doing at all times. That's right? what she said. Sorry, I, I know <laughs> I, I had to throw it in there. You know, I, it's like I said, it's kind of a somber evening, so I'm trying to you know get some of the the, the cheap ones in there. Every now and then, so, <laughs> but, I apologize. But the fact that you are not even looking at music, yeah. The fact that you can just watch somebody do it and going by ear and going by ear and saying, okay, this is where he's at at this point, and being able to put that together as a piano player. That is the same thing as being blind and being able to recreate a chef's dish at a five-star restaurant just by smelling and <laughs> hearing. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, no. That uh that felt like you put like two-thirds of a pinch of salt like Yeah, but not know? even feeling that. You just smell yeah. what they're doing and then you hear it. That's amazing. Uh just to say that it is beyond is <laughs> it's not like I can't even I can't even express how beyond it is. Check now. Check this out. You know we're kind of talking about some people's disconnect. You know, this was actually from la- the last year of his life, 2019. Uh, he actually accompanied accompanied his son Wolfgang to a Tool concert, as one does. What up, James Maynard? <laughs> While there, uh, an excited looking Tool fan asked uh, Eddie Van Halen to take a photo of him in front of the stage, apparently having no idea who he had just handed his iPhone to. What? Thankfully, Wolfgang captured the amusing moment. <clears throat> I've you, seen the picture. Really? Yeah. Is it? Is it Wolfgang great? is standing... Yeah, Eddie is sitting back in his chair, uh, in his seat, and Wolfgang is standing behind him with his own phone, taking a picture of his father, taking a picture of a tool fan who has no idea who <laughs> is taking the photo. <laughs> <laughs> this, this does not go out to all tool fans because I know who I know who Eddie Van Halen was. <laughs> yeah, now, look now. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you are a, a fan of rock music, you will like Van Halen. You'll like Tool, and I'll tell you why. Eddie Trunk. That is the, one of the smartest people with the deepest connections in music in, uh, of modern day, and he started out being a uh, huge Kiss fan. Then <laughs> I, th- I think the story was one of his teachers had that he just adored, uh, knew that Eddie was really into music and knew he was really into Kiss. And then it was like, I got a better band for you. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, I was a torch carrying member of the Kiss army. No, right. I don't think so. There's nothing better than uh, Gene, Paul, Ace, and, and yeah. uh, Peter. No, it's just, no. And so he introduced him to Van Halen at, you know, the first chords of Running With The Devil off their self-titled debut album. And uh, he's like, okay, I might give them a shot. And there's some trivia I'm going to get into after that, which made Eddie turn around and go, I was wrong. 
Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm completely okay with this. Um, I can love both Kiss and uh, Van Halen for two different, two completely different ways, but also for the same way. We'll get to that here soon because that's a really neat uh, bit of trivia. Definitely interesting. Yeah. Now, the fun one that I like here is that uh, who all here is a fan of Michael Jackson? Now, look, and I'm not talking about like the jokes of Michael Jackson or anything, but truly, if there's a Michael Jackson song on the radio, you don't usually turn the station. Am I right? No. Um, I wouldn't go out there and scream at the top, I love Michael Jackson. But I mean, if there's a song on, I mean, let's, yeah, it's cool. Let's be honest. Um, you know the words. You all know the words. You all know the songs. Yeah. And we all love Michael. Whatever your standing is on. Yeah. You love Michael. You yeah. all love Michael. And we have for 30, 40, 50, 50 years. years. Yeah. Or better. So don't be mad Almost about 60 because yeah. he was a kid with Jackson 5. Ow. A, B, C, yeah. one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah let's, not, let's not get sued. But <laughs> let's, That's let's, right. Let's, I didn't mean to hum those bars. Let's just say that uh, if you liked music for the last 50 years, Michael yeah. Jackson had an influence on it. And Absolutely. You can't be bitter about it. Just be yeah, okay. With, come on. Come on. Thriller. Be okay with liking Michael. Thriller is playing everywhere right now because it is, it is October. And the closer it gets to Halloween, the more often it's going to get played on the radio. So you can't, oh. nobody tell me they're not fans of Michael Jackson. Anyway. 110%. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, Michael Jackson actually has a tie to Mr. Eddie Van Halen. How? What? Well, I told this story to Tiny before uh, we got on Mike started recording, but uh, there was a time when um, Eddie Van Halen was friends with Quincy Jones. And anybody who knows who Quincy Jones is, he was an amazing legendary record producer that produced some of the most legendary R&B, Motown, um, uh, pop acts, you well, name it. Let, Quincy Jones, look him up. Let's be honest, Quincy not only promoted all those um, he also did a lot of soundtracks for a lot of movies yes, that he everybody did. loves. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the big ones that I can think about is, uh, is it Austin Powers 2? Yes. The second one? Yeah, Austin Powers 2. Yeah. yeah. Spider Shag Me, yeah. Uh, yeah, Quincy, Quincy did a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he knows a lot of people and he also do, happened to be at that point, um, which was back in the eighties, um, really good friends with uh, Eddie Van Halen. So Eddie Van Halen, being a musician and good friends of Quincy, would hang around the studio. Well, at one point, uh, they were recording Michael Jackson's Beat It. Now, everybody's, everybody's brain just stopped right then. Oh, yeah. Because 100%. they know exactly what part I am talking about without me even finishing. Without They didn't even realize oh, this, yeah. was hap- <laughs> this happened. Um, but you hear it. You may hear this for the first time, but Eddie Van Halen was the person who played guitar on the solo part of Beat It. Yep. Now, he didn't write it. That was actually written by, um, you know, some studio performers uh, Michael Jackson had had in it, and also there was a, a guitarist, a band guitarist that they used on tour and stuff like that that helped arrange it. Well, Eddie walked in, and, uh, Quincy was like, Hey man, come check this out. What are you doing? He's like, well, what are you doing? We're laying down, we're laying down some tracks with Michael. And he was like, Michael. Okay. Wow. Okay, cool. (laughs) And because as you can tell, this is like, you know, two worlds colliding. Right. And, uh, so he's like, well, let me see what you're working on. turns out it's beat it. (laughs) And he goes, we're still working on a couple of parts here. And he goes, what do you think of this? And he shows, you know, goes into this little guitar solo and he goes, Hey, 
how about we change this? Let's rearrange this here. Here, do this. When we do this here, change this here. And so Quincy's like, okay, why not? So he goes in there and they record two takes. They get about halfway through the second take. Michael walks in with his entourage, sort of like, uh, what the hell? Right. What am I listening to? What are you doing to my song? <laughs> or at least that's what Eddie uh, thought when well, he saw I mean, when he saw Michael and his entourage come in. That's the first thought he had was like, I, I'm sort of walking into somebody else's yard and kind of taking things over. Well, I mean, all right, fair enough. If if you look up and see Michael, yeah. why would you not be like, yeah, whoop, what am I doing here? Yeah, <laughs> but Michael loved it. He said it elevated the song. He said it takes something special to not only make a song complete, make a, uh, to make one part sound better like he did, but to improve the entire song by his addition. So Eddie Van Halen is honestly is considered the reason why Michael Jackson's beat it reached number one on the charts. Mm. And he recorded that in less than a half an hour. There Less than a half an hour for history, folks. There you go. A hundred, uh, what? Less than uh, less than thirty minutes, right? At thirty minutes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um. So of course, obviously, that means Eddie liked to talk a lot, right? Mm, I can't believe that, but okay. no. <laughs> well, he's Dutch. Yeah, no. It, I don't yeah. mean anything stereotypical, but a lot of stereotypical Dutch people like to talk. It's what they do, and there's nothing nothing wrong with that, and I don't mean anything derogatory about it. So he was also very vocal about uh, his problems with uh, different members of the band. We're not going to go into those <laughs> because we're going to try to stay a little positive here. Um, but I'm just saying we can, we he can, liked to talk. We can't go into those, really? No. No? Okay, all right. Uh, but there are some things that he has said over the years that um, are kind of appropriate for not only – his life, the end of his life, but different people's life, especially if they want to get into music. Um, he never considered himself a rock star. He said, I'm not a rock star. I'm just a musician. I make music for a living. I wouldn't know how to act like a rock star. What is a rock star anyway? True story. Yeah. This is a man who stopped actively listening to music after the early nineties. Yeah. You know, all the only music he listened to was his own. And of course, Clapton, Muddy Waters and a few others. Right. Um, if you want to be a rock star or just be famous and run down the street naked, you'll make the news or something. Yeah. yeah he's not wrong. Yeah. dude. Yeah. But if you want music to be your livelihood, then play, 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 play. Eventually you'll get to be where you want to be. The name Van Halen, the family legacy is going to go on long after I'm gone. And honestly, I believe that in a few years, I think, 110%. I think they will find somebody to come in. Wolfgang may end up, uh, because he played bass. A lot of people who play bass can venture over and play guitar. Lita Ford started out playing bass before she went into guitar. Uh, I would really like to see Wolfgang go ahead and And, and wouldn't it be over. something if Michael Anthony would come back? Oh, yeah, man. That would be yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he said his, uh, the name, the, the family legacy is going to live on afterward. Rock stars come and go. Musicians play until they die. And I believe he did that. 110%. That is yeah. a true statement. Now, here's this one. He kind, he was kind of throwing shade at uh, an artist, but he was complimenting him, but sort of with an undercurrent of, okay, you, just, you listen to it and you'll understand, and maybe Tiny can uh, describe what I'm saying here. He's talking about Jimmy Page. 
He said, uh, Jimmy Page is an excellent producer. Led Zeppelin 1 and 2 are classics. As a player, he's very good in the studio, but I've never seen him play well live. He's sloppy. He plays like he's got a broken hand and he's two years old. <laughs> if you put out a good album and play like a two-year-old, what's the purpose? Uh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I think Eddie was talking about the fact that uh, anybody, anybody can go into a studio. And if you're given 60 takes, you can get one that is amazing. Yeah. But if you can't go out and play that one take that you put in the studio mm-hmm. live, it doesn't really mean anything. That's right. right. Um, I know a lot of us, um, especially in the newer generations, um, we go to see a live show and we're looking for production value. We're looking for the you know high spots. The the, the ones yeah, that we're we're looking for the big numbers. We're looking for yeah. the oh the two or three songs. For example, it's like, you know, if you go if you go to a KISS concert, you're looking for Detroit Rock City, you're looking for Love Gun, you're looking for the makeup, you're looking for smire uh, smoke and fireworks out of well, out of and, a guitar. And you're and you're Beth. looking and you're looking for rock and roll all night at the yeah. end of the set with yeah. all the fireworks. Yes. But Rock and roll all night doesn't come unless you can play uh, Black Diamond yes. every night yes. <laughs> for two weeks straight. Absolutely. If, if you can't play uh, any of the songs that you perform, uh, I think what he's saying is, yes, if you have enough takes, you can get a perfect take. But if you, yeah. can't, if you can't play it live, what's the point of playing it? That's right. So there are some other things that uh, there are some things that uh, people have said about him, especially recently. But uh, most of them have been very, very complimentary over the years. Of course, like I said, we're not looking at the dirt quotes. We're looking, you know, we're looking at honest criticisms if there were any, um, and not just, you know, depending on who you talk to. I was fired or I quit. You know, the band. Anyway. Oh yeah, he fired me. But some of these things that people have said are just this just tells you what kind of a person that everybody thought he was as a musician especially um joe satriani <laughs> which if people don't know who joe satriani is uh go, go just just go to youtube and listen because if you don't know who joe satriani is go and look up uh crossroads <laughs> yes yes he's 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 considered one of the one of the great guitar uh guitarists of uh history um, he said, Eddie has the natural gift of melody with the deepest right-hand groove. Eddie puts the smile back in the guitar at a time when it was all getting a bit brooding. He scared the hell out of a million guitarists around the world because he was so damn good and original. Yep. yep. Um, Bruce Kulick, who, who was in one of my favorite eras of Kiss uh, after they took the makeup off. Now, I'm not talking like uh, you know, s- some of the really awful, awful music but there were some really good licks in there uh lick it up was good uh tears are falling was good and there was a there was a number of uh, really good songs the ballads are very underrated yeah absolutely um but bruce kulik he was a lead uh, guitarist for kiss after uh, ace fraley had left and then after mark st john and uh vinnie vincent had left (laughs) vinnie vincent yeah Yeah. that's that's a whole nother show let's talk about that later (laughs) he said uh the first time I heard Eddie Van Halen, I was absolutely floored. I was also petrified. So, uh, speaking of Kiss, here's some uh, trivia as well as a quote that um, 
people definitely don't know about. Okay. Um, you'll never guess who discovered Kiss and signed them. Um, but I'll give you the quote. Okay. I wasn't there for Van Halen. I never heard of Van Halen. I went to see another group, but as soon as they hit the stage, I couldn't believe all the music coming out of one guitar. I was in the middle of paying attention to members of the opposite sex when I heard this sound. What's that? And while people were crowding around, I just pushed everybody aside and went to the front of the, uh, of the railing, and there's David Lee Roth flying up in the air, defying gravity, and then it was time for the solo. Eddie stepped up, just one guitar player playing live, making a symphony of guitar sounds, and beautifully. Yeah, you're right. I have no idea who that would be. Gene Simmons. Really? Gene Simmons discovered and got <laughs> uh, Van Halen the re- first recording contract. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, I can believe... Now, does this make sense about what Eddie Trunk... <laughs> it does, absolutely. Yeah, this is... Uh, he Once he found this out, it made everything like, okay, I can be good with uh, Van Halen and... Uh, everything well what, what sorry I, ladies and gentlemen it's getting warm here i'm gonna turn on a fan what i can tell you is that uh again never being able to meet uh eddie van halen or or to see them live unfortunately yeah i have seen many uh videos of them playing live <laughs> and to watch eddie do a solo um on any stage anywhere he was he commanded the audience it didn't matter what he was doing what he was playing it wouldn't it didn't have to he be didn't eruption. just command the audience he he was with the audience that's yeah. the thing he played his guitar like he was in the audience and wanted to see something special exactly um like i said it didn't have to be eruption it didn't have to yeah. be anything it didn't even have to be anything that anybody knew yeah and but it, he took he took the emotion that yeah. he felt from the crowd and he put that into. Yeah. And it's not like I'm saying this uh, to put, you know, I'm not, uh, not to make him big headed or anything like that. Cause I, well, honestly, you know, I think Eddie's take on the whole Van Halen band was that it was his and his brothers. And that's the direction he went. No, no matter what, it's going to be him and his brothers. So if you don't agree with that, hit the roads, which leads to a lot of drama between all the other members anyway. But, the fact that he did that, I think, um, like I said, I'm not trying to make him have a big head or anything like that or make him sound selfish or full of himself, but I think that he viewed himself in the audience. I think he wanted to be a fan of himself, you know? I honestly think just for my opinion that's the difference between being a rock star and an entertainer yeah a rock star is going to go up and do what they want to do it doesn't matter whatever an entertainer will take themselves out of the moment Mm -hmm. and they will put themselves into the audience and say what would I like to see right now? Yeah. Like, what am I looking for? That's, that's why he was very <laughs> famous for his improvisation. Like, uh, if you look into what song is it? Uh, da, 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 da. Ain't talking about love. There's a, on YouTube. I don't have the link. I'm not going to link it because it's, uh, you know, copyright. But anyway, if you go to YouTube and you look up, ain't, 
ain't talking about love. There is a 12 minute intro he does for that, where he is just on stage having the best time playing. And you can see it on his face. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Any any solo or anything that I've looked up ever uh, about Eddie Van Halen, it never looks like he is just up there just because, oh, I have to be Going up through here. the motions. Yeah, yeah, he's never been up there like, oh, I'm here because I have to be here. Yeah. He wanted to be there. He yeah. wanted to be doing what he was doing. And, and that is truly the difference between a rock star and an entertainer. Yeah, it's sort of like... <laughs> When you see him smiling on stage and getting close to the crowd and just kind of smiling at him, I don't. It's not more of a, hey, I'm a star, check me out. It was more of a, hey, I'm doing something neat, check this out, everybody. That's that's just the way he carried himself. Absolutely. Uh, got a couple more quotes here. Um, Lita Ford, who we mentioned earlier as uh, Eddie having gifted her a guitar a few years ago, posted it on Twitter earlier this evening or this afternoon, today. I uh, said, <laughs> I, we talked about earlier how Eddie was sort of like the scientist Frankenstein right. of music. Said uh, She said, Edward would, uh, would always manage to wire something together. He would always have wires hanging out of his guitar and things weren't screwed together right. He was a mad scientist with tight pants. You know what, dude? If you don't blow up the entire neighborhood, then it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong. No. And finally... Uh, Mr. Eddie Trunk, who, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of Eddie. Um, I listen to his radio show when I can, his podcast. I've been following Eddie for a number of years. Yeah. Now, yeah. Host of that metal show, VH1 Classics, uh, different shows on there. Also a radio station host. Anyway, he's one of the greatest minds in all of hard rock. So he is quoted saying, uh, which I think is good for us to move on from this into talking about why he's so good. Everyone will say he's a great guitar player, of course. But I think the other important thing is he was a great songwriter and great and a great producer. You could be the greatest guitar player in the world, but if you don't have great songs that go with it, you know. True story. Um, I mean, it's kind of like we you were talking about uh, Clapton earlier. Yeah. Clapton is an amazing guitar player. Yes. And anybody that has listened to Clapton or Cream knows that Clapton is an amazing guitar player. Yep. But if you don't have anything to go with just the three or four licks you put together, yeah. like, it's it's not worth it. Like, you have to be able to put a song together. You have to have the composition. You have to know where things work. Absolutely. All right. It's music theory. It and, is. It really and is. And he had that naturally. Um a lot of people have to learn that like I would. Um, but that's one of the many things that makes him the greatest. And um, the other part of it that makes him the greatest is the his solos. I mean, that that's what that's his bread and butter, you know, just being able to play on that guitar. Um, there's a l every single bit of that Van Halen catalog has a solo somewhere in those songs. Uh Guaranteed. Anything that you have heard from Van Halen, I guarantee you has an Eddie Van Halen solo somewhere in it. Yes. <laughs> but I have uh, myself, I have compiled, and you know, Tiny can chime in with some of his uh, as well. But I've got 10 that I consider the greatest guitar solo, starting with 10 down to 1. And th these aren't in a specific order to me personally. And we are not uh, in any way, shape, form, or fashion holding ourselves to these to be. No, no. Now, 
of course, what you're going to hear a little bit of, it's going to be a little confusing, I'm sure, but um, you're just pretty much going to hear some pauses and us talking about the different ones, because what we're going to do, actually, and we can't play this because of copyright, Yes. Uh, but we're actually going to play the solos. I've compiled the solos on my iPad to play for us so that we can react to them, but I'll cut that out and post. So basically what you're going to hear is we're going to say something about the song, yeah. And then listen we're gonna to then we're gonna talk about the song, but you're not gonna hear that. We're gonna listen to it and react. Yes. Uh, but you will hear the song title and then us react. Yes. And my <laughs> advice to you is after you listen to us, make the decision yourself. But first, in order to do that, you have to go and listen to them. Go listen. Spotify, to Apple all Music, of them. Pandora, Apple Music, uh, Apple Music, YouTube, YouTube, everything. Yeah, everything. Okay. So number ten. Hot for teacher. Mm, okay, before we before we get into this, aside from the video. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was gonna say before we get into <laughs> before we get into hot for teacher, uh, you have to understand we, me and Matt both grew up in the mid eighties. Um, we were starting to reach late eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say we were starting to reach the the peak there in the the late eighties, yeah. early nineties. Yeah. Hot for teacher was. Beyond the video, that video put a uh, like kicked off a number of children's puberties. Okay, look, look, I'm look, I'm not gonna lie to you. There is a lot of mid to late eighties videos that shaped my entire view on sexuality. (laughs) All right, Uh, and and we won't get into those right here. But (laughs) yes, uh, beyond the video, Eddie Van Halen in this song beyond amazing oh yeah so okay here it is uh tiny hot for teacher Mm. (laughs) i can see the video and him (laughs) him standing on top of a table playing that solo uh yeah Um, just uh like him him doing the yeah yeah now now what i did is i listened to every single one of these uh individually studied them and then i wrote a little snippet uh, for what was involved so people can understand (laughs) i'm down um so it builds intensity Yes. And this is Eddie in his prime, so he had a lot of swagger. <laughs> yeah. uh, the groove uh, just kept getting everything going, and then it just stops before picking back up, sort of like the after party to an awesome party. Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> 100%. It's sort of like uh, the party uh, you know, get, is great, then it gets shut down, and then you're in days confused, and you say party <laughs> at like, the moon tower. <laughs> <laughs> party in the moon tower. <laughs> yes. Number, right. number nine. Uh, now, do you agree that uh, Hot for Teacher is at least in the top ten? Uh, Hot for Teacher is definitely in my top ten. All right. Uh, Panama. <laughs> Panama is probably in my top five. It's Now, to me, now, as, as a, a song for Van Halen, it's not even in my top ten. Uh, it's not even in my top 15. But we're talking about solos. Solos, right? yeah, yes. Uh, top ten solos. But the song itself is when David Lee Roth was about to – he was on his way out because, uh, as Eddie would say, you know, we were wanting to do music and uh, stay in L.A. Um, David Lee Roth wanted to go to Vegas and be a show. <laughs> it's not incorrect. Um, are we talking about Panama, the intro? or are we? Talking no, we're about- talking about the solo. Okay. Not right. the intro. Now All the right. intro is is a little more hard hitting than the rest of the song. Well, well, let me hear the solo. Hit me with the All solo. Right. We'll talk right. about it, ladies and gentlemen. Panama. We're running a little bit hot tonight. 
Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So I, I take my my statement back. Probably not in the top five. Definitely in the top ten, though. I mean, it's not necessarily the length. Uh, I do agree that it is top ten songs. Again, not my top fifteen, but but the solo itself. Um, this is why I said I always wished I could learn how to play an instrument because I have musical knowledge. Um, it builds. In intensity, it does. It's it reaches a climax that is very satisfying before it continues to the rest of the song, uh, and it all starts out using a Chuck riff. Now, if you don't know what that is, I don't have time to explain. Go look it up. <laughs> and it combines his uh, combining his uh, tapping and just you name it, his it really bending does. and tapping. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would I would not have thought about it as far as a guitar solo, mm-hmm. um, just basically because. Of the length, uh, yeah, I, and that's just me. That's a personal thing with it, the, it, with the length of a solo. Um, the opening riff for Panama, I would have probably put up there somewhere close in the top yeah. ten. Uh, but again, not a solo, so yeah, uh, I, I can't disagree with that. Though that's good. Right. Number eight, I've got "Ain't Talking About Love." Uh, again, so these are so far these are three songs uh, that have Roth as lead singer. Um, by, we will not have Gary Sharon in these. <laughs> by, by the way, any uh, anybody that knows me um, knows that the band that I go see on a very regular basis, uh, those are like three of their big, big numbers that they play. Yeah. So. yeah they love that cover band. I uh, uh, do. I definitely and do. And the way uh, that he does Eruption is oh, amazing. Dude. Spot uh, on. Uh, Chad Logston, Kevin Hall. Love you guys. You guys are amazing. I won't, I won't plug anything else, but you guys are amazing. I, the band name, I will. Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack. Respect. Hey, go see them. If you guys hear them, go see them. They're, they're local. They're so a cover they're band, but I tell you what, they're amazing. They play every song perfect. Uh, if you want to hear some some Van Halen, definitely go see them. All yeah. right, what, what's the All next right. song? Ain't talking about love. We got to play Ain't it. Ain't talking about love. All right. All right, here we go. Now, what's reason why I put that higher than uh panama hartford teacher is because he kept the solo simple it, it was very simple but it carried it kept the song going without going out there it uh it beyond keeps the tempo up it's it's very yeah no that was great it uh i mean the whole song itself is a simple it's a three chord song it's sort of like it's sort of like free falling with with uh, with another music we're not going to mention because we're talking about Van Halen. Thank you, Kiss. Yeah, uh, Kiss yeah. had a lot of three yeah. chord yeah, uh, no. uh, songs, but anyway, it's no. a very simple song, and basically that solo did less to shine as a solo, but what it did it, it helped it helped deepen the, the song. song. Yeah. Yes, that's why you know I made it higher on the list because sometimes you don't need to be as flashy as in. If you want to make a really good song, make every part work together. I'm I'm definitely interested to see your next. So the next one I have, uh, we're changing singers. Oh, God, you're going to Van Hagar. Yes, I am. Uh, for my listeners, for our listeners, um, don't get me wrong. I love Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar is an amazing musician. He had an amazing single career. Um, just... I think he had maybe two songs with with Van Halen that I really like, Pound Cake and, and I don't, that, to me honestly it, I thought they had a lot more but that's me personally. Uh, the I only just, reason I liked I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> um 
Now, I'm not saying that, uh, well, it depends. Okay. Look, it's a completely different conversation. Yeah, they're, <laughs> honestly, design. they're two completely different sounds. They are. They really uh, are. The reason I prefer this, at least on this list, being higher than the rest is because at that point, Eddie was in his prime and he was allowed to show his musicianship more than he was before. He was sort of almost at that point before uh, uh, Sammy Hagar came in, he was almost getting pigeonholed. Yeah. I, look, again, I don't disagree. I just, I have my preferences. And it showed the range. Yeah. Well, okay. Now I will give you that. And it gave them their highest charting hits. Okay. What is this song? Let, let me hear this song. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. It's one of their most famous from that era. Uh, okay, if it's not pound, liberals on the left love it. Please play the song, especially the music video. No, no, just go ahead. Pollution bad. Uh, it's called Right Now. All right, here we go. Hey, oh. No. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know what? It's actually a pretty decent solo. It, it is. It's uh, he. He sounded very comfortable with it. He. Okay. So look, I, I get. I get they were moving in a different direction, and yeah. at that point, it was like what ninety four, ninety five. Mm, earlier than that, Sammy Hagar joined in the eighties. I knew Sammy but was. I, that song but was that, in the, song, that song was in like 92, 93. I was thinking it was in the early 90s. It was in the midst of the grunge era, yeah. really, it, I mean, it really does. And if you listen to the song, it is a really great song. They they make a really Speaks good It speaks about point. world issues. It, it really does. It, I mean, it was a complete left turn from their, you know, have fun, <laughs> carefree, it was definitely, know, party days. It, it was, was it serious. Was definitely, it was definitely a... Talk a, about world issues. It was definitely an... Uh, a departure from jump. Yeah. But the reason why I liked it was because, I mean, the different things that it took. Um, I mean, it was the solo was almost a song onto it, unto itself. It really was. Um, um, within the kind of, it combined uh, pinch harmonics and melodic licks and phrases. That's that's just experimental and it worked. And and it and for the time period, it was amazing. Uh, this next one, we're going to get a little obscure. Uh, we'll see if you've ever heard of it. All right, let's let's do it. You ever heard of the song "One Foot Out the Door"? Mm, just off the top of my head, I can't say that I have. But I'm. It's interested. not one of their more popular off one of their more popular albums, but um, I, I tell you, I listened to so much Van Halen the past couple of days. I mean, I listened to just about oh, their yeah. entire catalog. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, which album? Uh. There's a couple off that album. Okay. So right. we'll get to it. Right. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and describe it and see if you can hear what I described. Right. Um, it uses a descending chromatic scale to create one of his most imaginative and completely unhinged pairs of solos under a backdrop of a dark and intriguing sound thanks to a combination of his guitar and synthesizer and sliding power chords. <laughs> no, you gotta, you got to play this for me. All right. Let me hear it. There you go. Nasty, wasn't it? Right, what album was that? <laughs> Fair warning. Oh my! Okay, your friend. Yeah, okay. It's uh, a it's a very obscure one with uh, Roth as the singer. It wasn't one of their more popular ones, that, but he was he was uh, he was jamming hard. That was <laughs> that was probably definitely one of the more deeper solos. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty impressive. Yeah, 
So that was uh, one foot out the door. Uh, check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the next one is also from the same album. Okay. Uh, it's called Out of Love Again. Mm, yeah, that one might be a little obscure for me, too. It's uh, got a combination of some blues with uh, aggressive riffs. Uh, it's a brighter sound. Uh, see if you can hear some Clapton or some Muddy right, Waters. Yeah. I, you know, I've mentioned Muddy Waters, waters <laughs> a before. A times, yeah. Uh, Especially during the uh, the interview with uh, Steve Jewell Jr. from oh, Otis, yeah, um, so check this out. Out of love again. Wow, not bad, huh? Yeah. What uh, what year is that? Uh oh gosh, now that I'm gonna have to look up. Uh, <laughs> see, uh, I'm thinking because that sounded like earlier, like it way was earlier. Van Halen. Uh, fair warning. Uh, see. That was 1981. Yeah, okay. Now that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, I, I, I don't recall hearing that, but... Uh, it was one yeah, of their slowest selling that, albums. That, yeah, I was going to say, I don't but, think that was one of their... From what I read, it still sold over 2 million albums, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, just we just sold 2 million. <laughs> we just sold 2 million. It's it took right. an extra yeah, couple no, weeks. Yeah, yeah. it's all right. Uh, this next one, uh, you've mentioned this, and uh, probably several times, I'm sure. And it's also one of my favorite songs that Uncle Jack plays. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Um, it's one of the times Eddie utilized a twelve-string guitar. Okay, uh, showcasing his versatility of instruments and musicianship. Uh, he, he made it look easy when creating and playing this complex <laughs> pounding and high energy riff. All right. We're skipping around to another singer. So let's hear it. Pound cake. Uh, by the way, pound cake might be my favorite, uh, Hagar song. That ever. Honestly, it's my favorite Van Halen song. It, it, it is really good. If you guys, um, if any of our listeners have never heard it, um, please go out and YouTube it, go yeah. out and find it. Um, not only is the solo <laughs> beyond amazing, um, just the rest of the song is, it, yeah. it is one of the, the most well composed songs that yeah. I've heard in a, I agree. ever. It's so good. It is. Um, now this one, um, people may not be too familiar with this. This is one of the more recent, uh, entries in the Van Halen catalog, um, I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to ask you a question here, Tiny, to see if you can uh, see how you answer it. All right. The song is called Chinatown. Okay. <laughs> wow. I just, okay. I, I cannot be more blown away. That was fast and heavy, wasn't it? <laughs> it was... uh, let's, let me see, make sure that I get this right. What year this was, okay? <laughs> wow. Uh, wow, I... Okay. Van Halen, uh, Chinatown, uh, came out in 2012. Wow, really? Okay, that's probably why I don't think I've ever heard it. Um, that's definitely yeah a little bit outside of what I would have been listening to Van Halen to at yeah. that point. But Different kind wow. of truth. So this man was in his 50s when he uh, when he was playing this. I, uh, okay, so. Okay, it, so. Um, now, it sounds like he's having a lot of fun with his whammy bar, but... Um, I can't imagine he used his whammy bar at all. That sounds very He much, did. He did. Really. Now, what do you think? Uh, do you think he used a harmonics machine on that? 
I can't imagine he's much other than just a <laughs> just plugging into a guitar or into an amp and maybe maybe a foot pedal maybe. Actually, what helped make the sound a little bit deeper was uh, his son Wolfgang on bass. Really? Yes. <laughs> no harmonics, just to plug in and play his guitar and Wolfgang playing the bass along with it. Wow. Almost no for no. Okay, that is... <laughs> I am blown away by that. Yeah. That is now, amazing. Now, mind you, Wolfgang joined Van Halen when he was 15 years old, six months after he first started learning to play bass. <laughs> Again, I will say, like I said at the first of the show, <laughs> six months, oh, yeah, go out here and tour with Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this number two... We're getting close to the end here. Oh, number two. That's right. What do you think it is? Well, if eruption is not number one, it has to be number two. <laughs> it is not eruption. Okay. All right. Lay it on me, brother. Beat it. Oh, how many people know the, the, the actual guitar lick and yeah. solo from Beat now, It? To be fair, he didn't write this, but again, like we mentioned earlier, he fixed it. He fixed it. <laughs> he, he put his magic on it. Now, and, and everybody can hear beat it in their head right now, I guarantee it. Uh, but maybe not the solo so much because uh, I mean, it, it is amazing, but it's a Michael Jackson song. Uh, but his the solo showcases his rapid fire picking and his trademark tapping. All right. Lay it on me. All right. You like how I was isolated uh, only his... Uh, okay, uh, yeah. I was going to say, first of all... <laughs> Um. Wow. I wanted. I wanted the. Well, I wanted you to hear without <laughs> Michael Jackson. Okay. Wow. That is amazing. Can you can you tell me what part of the song <laughs> comes from so I can actually kind of put two and two together? Yeah. Um. Now this uh, this one is actually more of an uh, the extended. Okay. Uh, because it's like a lot of them, a lot of people now their original releases are longer, but when they put them on radio and music video, they shorten. Okay, so first of all, before we go any further, that might have been more impressive. Than, well, that might have been more impressive than Eruption, just as a guitar playing, just a single guitar playing. <laughs> go look it up. Go look it up. Look up Beat It Solo without and anything try else. Try to isolate. Isolate just now. I used a hell. I used a program to do it. I'm sure you can find a way to isolate it. So, um, so wow. Okay, all right. Eruption. <laughs> yes. The pinnacle of all that is people learning to play guitar as a beginner. <laughs> now I say I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all. Uh, I mean once you reach that point, it's like I said earlier. That means you can play guitar. That means you can do what you want to do. You can be creative. You can do anything. Um, here's the funny thing. Eruption. Do you know where it came from? I really do not. Uh, it used to be Eddie's warm up. <laughs> well, it wasn't actually supposed to be a song. It was a warm up. Okay, so let me just let me get this straight. You're gonna tell me the man comes out and was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna warm up and just uh, just throw out eruption here, just real quick." Yeah. And then, uh, oh, hey, look, we're trying to fill time and we need a solo, so we'll play eruption. Like, yeah, pretty warm much. Up. <laughs> look, ser- okay, I can't. No. Uh, I, no, I call BS. <laughs> go, go look up Eruption. Go look up the 17,000 people that have done it. Yeah. 
doesn't matter who's doing it if they can it is, do it correctly. It is uh, now on the radio. They will play this, uh, but it's usually it's right before. Um, hang on, hang on. It's a poppy song. Uh, yeah, it's. Well, this just means the audience needs to listen to yes, it. Yes, go go, listen go look to it, it up. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play it here, and I'm sure once you hear this, Tiny, it's going to pop in your head. It really will. All right, here we go. That's okay. Mozart on a guitar. So. You really got me. Yeah, I was going to say, anybody that listened to Van Halen out of 1978, that was the song that uh, come in before they did You Really Got Me. So. Yeah. And then that track was followed by Talking About Love, yep. who everybody yep. knows too. Uh, please go check out Van Halen. Very much. <laughs> but uh, Eruption. By far one of the the greatest things that people are looking to achieve is playing guitar. Um, I know most guitar players that I know... Um, can play it <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not saying that they enjoy playing it or they want to play it but uh, again like I said big up to Chad Logston, Kevin Hall Kenny mm-hmm. Underwood yeah. <laughs> um, you guys all knock it out of the park and uh, definitely one of the ones that gets the crowd up and moving <laughs> that's right um, so yeah ladies and gentlemen that uh, those are my, that's my top 10 uh, Hot for Teacher, Panama, Ain't Talking About Love, Right Now, One Foot Out the Door, Out of Love Again, Pound Cake, Chinatown, Beat It, and Eruption. Listen to all those. Listen to the entire catalog, but those right there are essential. If you want to know how uh, who Eddie Van Halen was as a guitarist, guitar player, a genius on six strings or 12 strings, listen to those. Or whatever he picked up, apparently. He, yeah. He, he was, uh, he could play whatever. Yeah. The <laughs> so. world, the world is, uh little less musical it's definitely a, a little darker um 1955 to 2020 man was 65 years old still had at least a good decade's worth of being able to play at his level i, I feel like just uh just when you think about 65 that's retirement age so yeah you're talking about people working until they're 65 or longer uh, or longer so yeah um definitely definitely taken too soon yeah. um definitely gonna miss that as a, as a musical icon yeah and uh i don't think there's really much more that we can say um eddie um big influence in my life thank you very much for pretty much just uh being you and bringing everything you did to this world and to the world of music specifically. And, uh, definitely thanks for shaping a generation of musicians, um, for rock and roll. And who knows, you know, I may, I'm, I said, I'm all thumbs, you know, trying to learn guitar. Maybe I should try it again anyway, because I tell you what, he learned to play with his thumbs, especially <laughs> when he was doing the tapping on that board he created. So big, big up. Don't ever give up on your dream. Go go chase it. Go do what you do. All right. Well, with that, Mr. Edward Van Halen, we love you, man. And with that, we'll catch you on the closing. Mm-hmm. 
Not bad for a nice little double episode. Not bad, right? Talking about the the legendary, uh, most recently late Mr. Eddie Van Halen. Um, it's not going to be the same. Definitely will not be the same. But it's one of those times where looking back is always a good idea because then you can see the genius that he was. Absolutely. And for his memory will live on for future generation after generation after generation just because of what he brought to uh, music. Here, so. Here's in hope that uh, his passing will open open up some eyes for, for the newer generations and uh, his legacy will live on. All right. As always, um, if you would like to send us your ideas, uh, you can email us, uh, comments, anything at deadpanstudio18 at gmail.com. Uh, we're on social media at deadpanstudio18 on, on uh, Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Sorry, we've been talking all night, so <laughs> just getting a little tired. But anyway, we're also on a bunch of streaming services. Uh, whatever you're listening on, tell your friends. They can find us. Look for the black and white logo, the D and the P and the S. Um, Email us, please. Yeah. <laughs> let us know if you liked it or if you have any other ideas. If you didn't like our top ten, you have others, let us know. Tell us. Um, but with that, uh, I've got to mention deadpanstudio.podbean.com. I can't forget Podbean. Uh, they're just amazing. If you want to start a podcast, go through Podbean. They're awesome. They don't pay us to say that. I say that because ever since the beginning, they've always – anything that has gone wrong that they fixed really well, no matter what it is, and – I just can't say enough about them. They've but, always treated us right. Go to Podbean. Yeah. And with that, um, for Deadpan Studio Presents this is, uh, and Deadpan Studio Podcast this evening, I've been your host, Matt. This is Tiny. We'll catch you guys later. See you next time.